Hello and welcome to the Super Bowl 54 preview of the From the Booth podcast. I'm Evan Eichen. He's Cody Clark. We missed last week's show because Cody has some exciting career news. Cody, go ahead, share the news. Oh yeah, thanks buddy. We, I'm uh, moving from Florida. I'm headed back to Mississippi. Uh, headed back to Delta State University where I went to grad school. I accepted a position doing media relations and doing uh, radio as the voice of the statesman. So doing uh, football, basketball, and baseball on the radio. So really, really, uh, really, really excited about it. And yeah, it was just, it's been crazy around here as I try to pack everything up and get everything ready to, uh, to move this weekend. For those of you who don't know where Delta State is, it is a place in Cleveland, Mississippi. Yes, there is a Cleveland, Mississippi. As I was looking at famous alums, I found like a few arena league guys and Major League Baseball player Eli Whiteside. Yes, and then also um, another little sports nugget for Delta State. There was a basketball player named Jeremy Richardson, and this is a tie-in for me with the Orlando Magic because he got a little bit of run in the NBA, but he was the one who hit the three-pointer for the Magic to set the record for threes in a game. Now, that has obviously since been broken you know, 50 times over. But he was the one who hit that when the Magic set uh, the record against the Kings back in 2000 and I think like 10. So another interesting sports tie-in there and an interesting one for me because obviously I was at both places with the, at Delta State and then was with the Magic. So interesting, uh, interesting tie-in there. Yeah, as I was looking at famous alums that played their college sports at Delta State, I found four guys that played in the Arena League. One as recently as 2017, Eli Whiteside, and then uh, Richardson, the basketball player. Uh, Cleveland, Mississippi. Uh, can you give me an idea of like what it's like living in Cleveland, Mississippi? Uh, it's a small town. It's it's much bigger than Forest City, uh, but it's still only, I think, twelve or 13,000 people. So uh, a small town. All the way on the all the way on the west side of the state, uh, not very far from Arkansas, uh, but just just uh, you know small town Southern living. Yep, congratulations uh, going uh, going back to Delta State. Uh, you're going to be leaving warm, sunny Florida, going to probably also warm, sunny Mississippi. Yeah, for the most part, it gets it gets colder there than it does here. But yeah, definitely gonna miss uh, definitely gonna miss the weather for uh, for large parts of the year. Well, we would be remiss if we did not at least talk about this because last Sunday was one of those. Where were you when you heard about blank happening? I still remember where I was when I heard it when uh, I heard nine eleven happen. I was in third grade. We were actually on a field trip to a rock quarry that was cut short. I don't remember what happened after that. I just remember we were on a field trip and we were all herded up and went back to the school after we had only been there for maybe like an hour, hour and a half. And then they just cut the field trip short. On Sunday, I was sitting at home watching the Pro Bowl and the Pro Bowl went to commercial and then they went to an ABC News special report 
And that's when we heard about Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and seven others died in a helicopter crash in California. Probably the most stunning news development I can think of probably within the last 10 years. Cody, where were you when you heard the Kobe Bryant news and uh, what was your reaction to it? Yeah, I was I was in Orlando uh, visiting some friends and I had just finished uh, dropping by my grandparents' house. And so I was headed back to I was headed back towards downtown Orlando and I had parked in a parking garage and I got out of the car uh, and I was walking down the sidewalk and I was on my phone checking Twitter and I saw it come up on Twitter uh, that TMZ had reported it. And then a few different, you know, then things started popping up and and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was. It was it was jarring to say the least. And I mean, as we've watched it, you know, kind of unfold here in the past few days, you know, you you really see the impact that Kobe had. And, you know, you know, for us, Evan, it's kind of, you know, that that Michael Jordan type figure, you know, because for me, you know, Kobe was that guy because, uh, you know, I didn't grow up watching Michael Jordan. You know, I grew up watching Kobe Bryant. And then as a Magic fan, having him beat the Magic, um, him and Pau Gasol and company beat the Magic in the 2009 finals. And so just watching uh, his career at that time and continuing to watch him uh, throughout the course of his career, you know, lined up with with me growing up as an NBA fan and a lot of people, you know, around our age. So it was just, it was jarring news. Uh, it was, it was tragic news. It was just to hear that, uh, his daughter was on the flight with him and, and seven other people. I, I mean, that was just, there, there weren't many words. There weren't many words to describe what's going through your head when you're thinking about it, but, uh, just, just tragic, tragic news. And, and we've seen it play out in the last few days, uh, the impact that he had on basketball and the impact that he had on, uh, fans growing up watching the game and uh, just if you're an NBA fan I mean it's it was uh, it was it was shocking news it was shocking news the Lakers and Clippers were scheduled to play on Wednesday the 20 Wednesday would have been the 29th I believe right uh, I think so yeah they, yeah, were ske- they were scheduled to play Wednesday the 29th at the Staples Center. That game was postponed. The Lakers will be in action for the first time since the death of Kobe Bryant tonight at home, 9 o'clock Central against the Portland Trailblazers. There's going to be a lot of emotion in that building. And just hearing from guys, like, th- the NBA is full of, international stars hearing guys like Giannis Joel Embiid and Luka Doncic say Kobe was the reason I even played basketball and hearing and hearing from guys like that it made you realize just what an important figure he was just outside of the U.S. like when the big international stars when they were asked about it said Kobe is why I started playing. It makes you realize just how much of a large global reach the game of basketball had, and he was and he was a big part of that. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you named the different guys. I remember seeing Joel Embiid's tweet, you know, he was the reason that he started playing basketball and, you know, the fact that he had lived overseas, you know, when his dad was playing overseas and just had, just had a really, really big impact on the game. You know, the, the, the Mamba mentality, you know, his work ethic, uh, as a superstar player, you know, he was a superstar player, but he was a superstar player because he was very, very athletically gifted, but also because he was one of, if not the hardest worker in the NBA. And, and that's a kind of mentality. That's a kind of, uh, that's a kind of work ethic. That's, that's something that, that people relate to and appreciate. And that's why a lot of people were Kobe fans. And that's why it hit people so hard because, you know, that, that, that guy, the guy that he was, the hard worker that he was, the, the dad to his daughters that he was, you know, in, in the blink of an eye, that's uh, he's, he's taken away. And so it just just reminds you that life is short. And, you know, the man upstairs has a number for you and we don't quite know where when it is. So just got to live your best life and, and, you know, impact people the best you can. And you saw that with Kobe. I mean, the outpouring in the last few days, he uh, he's had a major impact on a lot of people. Kobe Bryant was 41 years old. His daughter Gianna was 13. In the wake of the news, the NBA All-Star Game, and we'll we'll get to this when we do our NBA All-Star Game trade deadline, like our big NBA halfway preview next week. But before we move on to the Super Bowl, the NBA All-Star Game announced drastic changes to the format and also a tribute to Kobe Bryant. Right move? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, whenever you're playing for charity, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and criticize it. Like, I don't have a problem with it. It's an all-star game. It's for fans. It's it's an exhibition. So I don't really, uh, I don't really, you know, have a strong feeling about it. I'm all for it, especially if you're playing and donating money to charity. I think it's a great thing. Yep, Kobe Bryant, once again, was 41 years old. And the Lakers will play for the first time since the tragic news on Sunday tonight at home against Portland. But, Cody, we've got a Super Bowl this week. The San Francisco 49ers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the NFL's 100th season. So a bit of symmetry. The 50th season of the NFL was 1969. The Kansas, that was the last time the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. 1994 was the 75th season of the NFL. That was the last time the 49ers won the Super Bowl. And now the two teams meet on the 100th season of the NFL. So every time there's been a landmark season of 50, 75, and 100, one or both of these teams has appeared in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, I'm really looking forward to this game. It's going to be a a big time matchup, but that is kind of, you know, that's one of those, one of those weird, weird things where the numbers line up, you know, you look at the anniversaries and you look at uh, the last time the chiefs were there. And then the last time the 49ers were there, those are interesting numbers. There was a lot of, you know, we were just talking about Kobe. There was a lot of that type of stuff happening over the course of the nights, uh, you know, the, and, and then the games following uh, his death, his passing. So, you know, it's uh, sports has a funny way of of drawing those parallels and uh, we definitely see those with these teams you picked the san francisco 49ers to win the super bowl 
I picked the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Uh, we're going to start with you. Make the case. Convince me why Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco will be holding the Lombardi Trophy come Sunday night. Well, I got to start by saying, you know, I'm taking I'm taking the 49ers prediction in this game. My 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 preseason picks were the Patriots and the Eagles, so that was just completely shot out of the water uh, relatively early. But I, I like the 49ers because I really really like the defensive front, and I've been high on that defensive front all year. I think we've seen what they can do to get after the quarterback. And they can consistently put pressure on you rushing three and four pass rushers. And when you can do that and you can sit back with uh, seven guys in coverage, eight guys in coverage, I mean, we've seen the success that they can have. And they've loaded up on draft capital up front. They've spent a lot of high picks up there. When Jimmy Garoppolo went down with his, uh, when he tore his, uh, when he went down with the injury, he was out for the year. That allowed them to get uh, Bosa, and he has been just phenomenal. So they've got all of the weapons along the defensive front to stop the run, to put pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, I just, when you look at it, I do think we're going to get a pretty decent scoring game because I do think that both of these offenses are really, really humming right now. San Francisco running the football, Kansas City throwing the football. And Kansas, you know, and Kansas City's defense is playing much, much better as of late. I just have more faith in San Francisco's defense and where they're at right now. I do think Jimmy Garoppolo was going to have to come up with some big plays. He's not going to be able to just throw it seven, eight times. Uh, but, you know, for me, the difference is the defensive front and that defense for San Francisco. I trust them. Uh, a little bit more than I trust Kansas City's defense right now, so I'm going to err on the side of San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo has only thrown the ball 12 times in his last six quarters. That's wild. 12 passes in the last six quarters. The San Francisco 49ers are averaging 6.7 yards per play on first down, which means... They don't get in a lot of second and shorts. Like, they get second and five, second and four routinely, and they've also got that rotating group of running backs of Moster, Tevin Coleman, Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback. I, you made the point of the front four for the San Francisco 49ers where they get pressure on 44% of their defensive snaps, but they only blitz 15% of the time. Conversely, Patrick Mahomes does not get sacked. This season, Patrick Mahomes is sacked on 3.3% of his dropbacks, which means the offensive line of Eric Fisher, Mitchell Schwartz, Duvernay Tardif, and others, they do not allow Patrick Mahomes to get sacked, which means that he has an, which means he has time to get it to Tyree Kill, Miko Hardman, Sammy Watkins. <clears throat> I look at the 49ers, and I feel like their their game plan is going to be sort of a, a, a ramped-up version of what Tennessee tried to do, which is we're going to go on these long, grinding, 11-play, 75-yard drives that take seven and a half minutes, which 
Tennessee did do, but Kansas City was like, okay, that's cool. We're going to go 75 yards in three plays and score in a minute 40. Right. So going on these long, methodical drives like teams have tried to do against Kansas City doesn't really work because that offense is so dynamic and so explosive that you can have the ball and take seven minutes off the clock, but you you think you're doing fine, and then Mahomes throws a, a two-yard pass to Tyreek Hill, and he goes 50, 60 yards with it. I feel like Kansas City, they have the more explosive offense. San Francisco has the better top-to-bottom 53-man roster, I just don't know how you can get to Patrick Mahomes because no one has been able to do it all year. No, it's a great point. I mean, his mobility, his ability to, you know, his ability for the offensive line to give him time, but also his ability to then roll out, move, uh, run away from guys, uh, get out of bounds, avoid the hits. It's a great point, and it's going to be – that's the battle I'm interested in watching is that front unit versus Mahomes because – you know, I, I don't think Mahomes has faced this kind of defense this year uh, in, you know, it, it will be interesting. You make a you make a good point about the uh, the drives, uh, the long drives. You know, Tennessee did it. Teams can do it against Kansas City, but you pointed out they can score in a minute. So how do you respond, you know, when you do get, you know, defense, you know, San Francisco takes seven, eight, nine minutes. Uh, they're, you know, defense gets a rest and then they're right back out there. And then, you know, you're right back out there again. So it, it will be an interesting battle to watch because I, I, you know, Kansas City hasn't faced this type of front this year, um, in my opinion. But, you know, you've got the star quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, you side with that star quarterback and, and Mahomes is that guy. And I think he's going to have a really successful day. I just think the 49ers will be able to temper him just enough. Uh, but it's going to be, it's a, it's a, it's a big task because, you know, when you've got Sammy Watkins as like your fourth weapon, I mean, you've got a lot of guys that you have to account for if you're that San Francisco defense. And there is really no shutting down Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, including playoffs, has made 35 starts. Do you want to know how many games he has He has failed to score at least 24 points? How many times in Patrick Mahomes' starts has he failed to score 24 points, Cody? I'll say four. Three. Wow. And, and all three were this year. Against Indy. The Denver game where he scored 23, and the Kansas City-New England game where they only scored 23. So Patrick wow. Mahomes has failed to score 20 points once in his career as a starter, including playoffs. And when you look at that, you know you're going to need to probably match them score for score because the the only team that has held them under 20 points was Indianapolis earlier this year. But if I remember right, that was the game before Mahomes had the kneecap injury. Yes. He wasn't at 100% during that game. 
And the the people who are hoping that this 49ers defense can just come out there and shut everything down and Kansas City only scores 10 points, we have 30-plus games of evidence that suggests that does not happen to Kansas City. It no, ju- it doesn't. It, it and, does not happen. It doesn't happen. And what you what you what you've got to do with Kansas City and Mahomes is, you know, what San Francisco I think will focus on is you've got to not give up the big play. You know, make them because they're you know they're going to score, and I think both of these teams are going to score. But you know, the more plays it takes you to score, the more chances you make a mistake, the more chances something have. So you know, make Kansas City go on those, and we've we've seen them go on those drives. Uh, we saw it against Tennessee, but make them go a seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven plays. You know, they have a ton of three, four, and five play scoring drives, and those are those are those can be demoralizing because usually they include a you know a, a thirty or forty yard play. If if San Francisco, you know, doesn't allow some of those big plays to happen, I think that will frustrate Kansas City. And, you know, they can go, you know, play for play five yards at a time. But when you're an offense that's used to popping off for some of those plays, it's frustrating when you're not able to get them. And so I think that will definitely be something to watch because, you know, if you can keep Kansas City from getting some of those big plays, and some of them are inevitable because, you know, Patrick Mahomes is ridiculous and he'll get outside the pocket and, like we saw that run against Tennessee, he'll make something happen. But if you can keep that in check for the most part, then you know you really let your you really let your front you, your your front four your front seven get after Patrick Mahomes. You pointed out that San Francisco gets consistent pressure without blitzing at all, so you don't have to commit extra guys to uh, to get to Mahomes. You just have to focus on playing good defense against. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. And so that focus on keeping them from the big play, which is a large part of their offense, is definitely going to be something that'll be interesting to watch to see how San Francisco combats that. Speaking of combating, defenses against the 49ers were in their base defensive personnel 80% of the time. There were only 20% of the time this season where San Francisco saw five or more DBs on the field. If I am Steve Spagnolo, here's my defensive philosophy. I'm putting seven guys in the box. We're going to stop your running game. And okay, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo, I dare you to throw this ball 30 times and beat us. We're going to take away your running game. If you're going to beat us, you're going to have to throw the ball 30 plus times. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great, you know, I think that's a great strategy. But then, you know, you do have guys like, you have Debo Samuel who can run it uh, and and catch in terms of there, there's a lot of uh, jet sweeps and things they can do with Samuel. Uh, a guy named Emmanuel Sanders who is phenomenal underneath and can get over the top. A guy like uh, George Kittle who is, you know, we're looking at the two best tight ends in the league in this game and Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. So I do think that Kansas City is going to load up and say Jimmy G beat us. I just think Jimmy G can get it done and we have seen him get it done like we saw the the two huge third and longs in the in the rams game they were down 13 to the saints like he he put up numbers in the saints game 
when they need Jimmy Garoppolo to do, when they need Jimmy Garoppolo to take the reins, he has shown he can do it. Like, this isn't a 2009-2010 Mark Sanchez thing where they were operating their offense like they were terrified of him throwing the football. He, right. He can do it if they need to. I mean, but the way that the running game has been going, especially in the Green Bay game, when you have Raheem Mostert popping off for 100-plus yards or nearly 200 yards, you don't need Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball around the field. But he might have to against Kansas City because going into that Tennessee game, it was, oh my God, how are you going to stop Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry is the most unstoppable player right now. He had 69 yards on 19 carries, and his longest run of the day was 13 yards. Kansas City, in that run defense that is middle of the pack, and we thought that Derrick Henry was going to run all over him in the AFC title game, they buckled down, and Derrick Henry only had... A 13-yard run was his longest run of the day. He shut him down. Yeah, absolutely. And so that'll be that'll be their plan is to try and stop San Francisco's run. It's just, you know, it's not Ryan Tannehill and uh, A.J. Brown back there. You know, there's quite a few more weapons. Uh, Tevin Coleman can be a weapon out of the backfield. I mentioned Samuel, Sanders, Kittle. Like, you know, there's there's a much stronger cast on the outside than Tennessee had. So they weren't able to take advantage of some of those matchups at times uh, with their personnel. Whereas I think San Francisco, I think the 49ers will be able to take care of, uh, you know, take advantage of some of those matchups to where other teams against Kansas City when they stop the run haven't been able to. Uh, you've got the the weapons and and you've got a guy named Jimmy Garoppolo who has shown that he can get the job done. Uh this will be just a fascinating game to watch because this is, you know, the biggest stage. So can Jimmy Garoppolo get it done on the biggest stage? You know, I, I, I definitely think he can. Uh, Bill Belichick was willing to replace Tom Brady with Jimmy Garoppolo. So that tells you uh, uh, what he thought of Jimmy G. And uh, Jimmy G has shown that he, he is that guy. Uh, that can can take the reins of a franchise. He's shown that with the 49ers, and uh, I think he's going to get a chance to show it uh, on Sunday against the Chiefs. Kyle Shanahan has coached 40 games with Jimmy Garoppolo, 24 games without him, 26 games with him. With Jimmy Garoppolo, he's 21-5. and five. Without him, he's 4-20. and 20. Garoppolo is a really important part of that San Francisco of that San Francisco team. San Francisco became the first team ever to have four straight 10 plus loss seasons and go to the Super Bowl. Kansas City was inches away from going to the Super Bowl last year. You can make the argument that they lost because of the D Ford offsides play, but you know, Kansas City the the game did go to overtime, but Mahomes never got to touch the ball. You wonder what would have happened if Kansas City if Kansas City won that game in New England, they probably would have won the Super Bowl. And Cody, I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask you this is do you think there is a Dan Marino factor to Patrick Mahomes? Uh, and here's what I mean by that. In, in his second year, Dan Marino took the league by storm. 
went to the Super Bowl against the 49ers, lost, and it's like, oh, that, that guy, he's so young and so talented, he's going to be back. He's going to be back. And he never got back. Or the Oklahoma City Thunder. They had Durant, Westbrook, Harden. They went to that one finals against LeBron and Miami, lost, and everybody was like, oh, they're so young, they're so talented, they'll get back. They never did. Is there a Dan Marino factor to Patrick to Patrick Mahomes where this might be his one and only shot at winning a t- winning a championship? I mean, I you know, I guess that could happen. You know, we don't you, we don't know. We've seen it plenty of times. You know, you're it's so hard to get to this point. You're never guaranteed anything. And so you pointed out a couple of examples where guys got there, and then we said, you know, we looked at it and said, oh, they'll be there forever, and they never were there again. So, I mean, yeah, that definitely could happen. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen because I think Patrick Mahomes is that good and the way the league is trending right now, uh, having that guy on your team is going to be, uh, you know, a major advantage and lend lend you to getting back to that big game. But, of course, that could definitely happen. I mean, we don't know. Uh, you know, I, 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 of course, would lean towards that's not going to happen with Patrick Mahomes. I think he will be able to get back there. But he's also going to make $40 million a year you know, or, or something crazy like that. And so unless he, unless he takes less money, he is going to be eating up a massive portion of the salary cap, which then is going to hinder what they can do around him. So you know, the talent that Mahomes is, you know, I definitely think that he'll be back on this stage outside of just this opportunity. But it's entirely possible that, you know, that we could never see it again. That's what happens in sports. We've seen it before. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to watch Kansas city because there he's going to get a, a mega mega type deal. And then how do you put together the team around him to be able to compete for a super bowl every year? Because you've got the guy at quarterback and that's all well and good, but you, you can't do it alone. And, and you've got to, you've got to be able to put a defense out there, uh, which Kansas city has shown that they have uh, that can, hold down opponents enough to where Mahomes and company can score. So, no, I mean, you know, I would say that, of course, Mahomes is going to get back there, but you ran off some examples of guys that never did. And the fact that Mahomes is about to make uh, an absurd amount of money is going to play a factor in that because that's going to affect how Kansas City adds pieces around him. And when you do that, pay the quarterback the giant sum of money it hasn't really worked out because then you have to you have to hit on all of your draft picks and you have to be shrewd with your free agency decisions and you're gonna have to make some hard decisions there is a chance coming up that i don't really know the contract statuses of these guys but they're gonna have to make a hard decision on do we let Miko Hardman go. Sammy Watkins has already said he's thought about just taking a year off after the Super Bowl. Like, that came out a little while back. That came out, I believe, yesterday. This could be a different Kansas City team next year and and then the following years after that, but as it stands right now, this is a young this is a young exciting team they've got they've got a lot of creative pieces and they've been able to draft extremely well over the last few years getting guys like Miko Hardman, Tyreek Hill, 
he's injured right now, but Juan Thornhill, the rookie safety before he had that knee injury was an important part of that defense. I have faith that Kansas City is going to figure it out because they've been able to draft so well over the last couple of years that if they need to restock the cupboard, I have all the faith in the world that they can do it. They've shown that they can do that, and so we'll we'll see what happens. But, you know, right now we're just we enjoy Patrick Mahomes being there because you look in sports and you're never guaranteed uh, you're never guaranteed to get back. That's why you you, you can't take uh, can't take it for granted. Cody, uh, we've also got a matchup of the top two tight ends in the in the sport. Who's gonna be more important, Kelsey or Kittle? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I would, I would say Kittle, just because, uh, you know, I think Kansas City has a few more weapons. So if you are able to take Kelsey out of it, there are some other places you can go. There's some other places Jimmy G could go outside of Kittle, but Kittle's just such a big part of what they do. But then you look at Kelsey and his ability to. Uh, you know, at his size and his skill, be a wide receiver and command uh, double teams at times uh, is hard to argue with. But I, I would lean towards Kittle being more important to San Francisco and what they're going to need to do throwing the football against this Kansas City defense. And my gut, my gut tells me Kittle, so that's uh, that's where I'll side there. And Kittle can do more. Can do more in the run. He is also an incredible blocker as well. Travis Kelsey not really used in the blocking game all that much. Meanwhile, George Kittle is an absolute mauler when he has to be. Here are some Super Bowl prop bets for you. The here the over under passing yards. For Jimmy Garoppolo, the line is 300.5 for over-under passing yards. He only went over 300 yards three times this season and hasn't gone over 250 in the last few weeks. So over-under 300 300 yards for Jimmy Garoppolo. Which which side are you going there? Oh, that's tough. I'm going to say under and he gets 299. Oh, you're you're going real close up, two hundred and ninety nine. I think he's going to get pretty close to that number, because uh, yeah. So that I'll say like two ninety eight, two ninety nine, and I'll say under there. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna say under. I'm gonna say under as well, but it's not going to be at two ninety nine. Like that's that is a that is cruel. Like for the people who Travis Kelsey is plus fourteen hundred to be Super Bowl MVP. Um. The, the If I was to bet on Super Bowl MVP, uh, Travis Kelsey would probably be like the third or fourth guy I would pick uh, I would pick at MVP. Well yeah, of course, that's why he's got those he's got the long odds. Uh, but you know that's the most value. So you know if you're taking a flyer on a guy, he'd be a good guy to take a flyer on because he's gonna get a ton of targets and his ability to to catch touchdowns in the red zone. So you know, I just, the quarterback is so important. If Kansas City wins, you know, it's probably going to be on the on the shoulder of Mahomes. If San Francisco wins, you know, it's going to be it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo or it's going to be that defense and they don't give it to multiple guys. 
So it'd be interesting to see if uh, a single defensive lineman could stand out. But I think Jimmy's got a track on it if uh, the 49ers are able to pull it out. Yeah, Raheem Mostert actually has better odds at uh, at MVP at plus 750. Not by much, but he has better odds. Here's some Patrick Mahomes bets. Patrick Mahomes is minus 140 to be the first quarterback to throw a touchdown. You... Yeah, that he'd be the favorite there. That makes sense. Uh, he's also over under two and a half passing touchdowns. Are you going to take the over or the under? Two and a half. I'll take over. I think he hits three. Yeah, I would be hard-pressed to not go over. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he's probably going to get three or four. And uh, the last, in the last uh, prop bet of the day that you can make, Jimmy Garoppolo throwing an interception is at minus 135. Do you throw do you think he throws at least one? Yes, I do think he does turn it over once. Once and only once. Once and only once cuz I do think that they will be throwing it more and so I will say once. Yes. I'm going to say he doesn't throw an interception, so I'm going to go All right. I'm going to go different that. In fact, bold prediction. No turnovers the entire game. It's going to be a clean game. Nobody turns the ball over. Dang, all right. That'd be great. But we'll uh, we'll see what happens. It's pretty unlikely, but th- that's my bold pick of the day, is that nobody turns the ball over. Given, given how we know how the MVP stuff works, Patrick Mahomes is m- almost certainly going to win MVP. But let's play this out, and let's say... Kansas City wins, but he's not MVP. Who gets it on Kansas City if Mahomes somehow doesn't get the MVP award? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I would look at, you know, somebody that makes a big play late. I mean, you know, let's say we've got a tie game with two minutes left and they throw a little screen pass to me, Cole Hardman, you know, and he takes it, you know, 60, 70 yards for a touchdown. That puts them in the lead late in the game. They, they hang on to win. You're looking at that kind of play if you're not giving it to Mahomes. It's, you know, Travis Kelsey scores a touchdown with, you know, a few seconds left. Uh, Hardman takes a screen pass long uh, late in the game to give him a lead. Uh, That kind of stuff. I mean, I think you're looking at that kind of play. If Mahomes is not going to win it, it's going to be that type of play that would keep him from winning it. The last time a non-quarterback won MVP of the Super Bowl was Julian Edelman was the MVP in that Falcon in that Falcons Patriots Super Bowl the 28 to 3 game and before that you'd have to go back to Von Miller in Super Bowl 50 which people really wanted to give Peyton Manning that MVP I just don't know if you could justify giving him that award, given how he played during that game in that season. Yeah, no, you you couldn't. It was Von Miller was a good pick there. Yeah, the that that Super Bowl kind of mirrors this one. Here's this big play offensive team that nobody's been able to stop, and here comes the Denver Broncos defense, which. Looking back at it, now that we're four years removed, I am 
amazed that that Denver defense was as good as they were four or five years ago. Um, the, the, the San Francisco defense is probably the best defense we've seen since that Denver team or that 2013 Seattle team. And generally when we get top offense versus top defense, it's top defense that has the last laugh. As much as I'd like to see San Francisco win the suit, like I'm not emotionally invested one way or another outside of, I picked Kansas city in the preseason to win the super bowl. Like, pretty much everybody. I mean, if the 49ers won, I wouldn't be upset about it. But at the same time, it's like, this feels like Andy Reid's year. Brady and Lamar Jackson got knocked out before he even played them. All he had to do, what all they had to do was get through Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. They fell down 24 to nothing early, but then scored 51 of the next 58 points in that game. And then they fell behind 10-0 in Tennessee, and then they outscored them. Then they outscored them 35-14 to the rest of the game. Kansas City, that, that offense is so dynamic and so powerful that I don't see a world where they get stopped even though San Francisco is probably the best defense we've seen since that 2015 Broncos team. Yeah, I mean, this Chiefs, this Chiefs team, is, you know, they're probably going to put up some points. So it, it's just a matter of, you know, who, who can force a, a turnover or a couple of turnovers or a big play at the right time because I think you're going to see both of these teams be able to put up points, uh, Kansas City through the air and San Francisco on the ground. And so it's going to come down to, you know, which quarterback has the ball late in the game, you know, or, or somebody making a big play, getting an interception or, uh, uh, you know, a scoop and score maybe for a fumble. You know, we, we see so many times it comes down to one or two of those plays. And the way that these teams are constructed, the strengths of both of them, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a close game and you're going to get one of those type of plays that's going to end up deciding uh, this Super Bowl champion. All right, give me a final score. Uh, give me a final score in MVP. I will say final score is San Francisco 30, Kansas City 24. And I will say the, which I think would just miss the uh, over-under for points there. And then I will say MVP is... Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Kansas City's going to win this game by... This This game's going to go one of two ways. Either A, San Francisco scores a late touchdown, but they give Mahomes too much time, or <laughs> that Kansas City offense just strikes early and San Francisco finds themselves in a hole. I'm going to take the latter on that. Kansas City wins this game, and the final score is going to be 38 to... I'm going to say it's 38 to 24, and Patrick Mahomes walks away with a near, if not fully, unanimous MVP award. He's going to throw at least four touchdowns. Nice. There you go. I mean, I like I said, 
I would not be surprised if that happened. He's that good. So uh, we'll uh, we'll wait and see who comes out on top here. I just feel with the way – I mean, Kansas City in the playoffs have fallen into holes, and then they just got right back up. I, I want, if we know that they can fall down 24 to nothing and be like, hey, I got this, I don't want to know how confident that team's going to be if they get up to a 14 nothing lead in the first quarter. Like, you blink and they put up two touchdowns on you, and then San Francisco is on their heels the, the entire game. Yeah, absolutely. But, San Francisco, but I mean, they're not going – they wouldn't be – let's say they go down. You know, you're not, you're not going down 24 or up against, you know, the Texans' defense. You're going against San Francisco. So, you know, that's – it's a little bit, little bit tougher of a task. I understand that – Yes, the San Francisco defense is the best defense all year if you don't look at New England. And, like, that was really just a fluky down by 24. You had the blocked punt touchdown, and then Tyreek Hill had the muffed punt inside the 10-yard line, so they got two incredibly short fields out of that. But there aren't that many teams that can fall behind by three scores, and you're like, oh, yeah, they're fine. They got this. Oh, no, that's right. You're right about that. I mean, if if Kansas City gets up to a 17-0 lead in the first quarter, I don't think there are a lot of 49ers fans that are going to be like, okay, this is fine. We got Jimmy G. We're, we got this. We'll be, we'll be fine. Yeah. The Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl 54 in Miami. Um, if you're interested in... The halftime entertainment, they got Shakira and Jennifer Lopez. Um, I'm not interested in the in the halftime. Are you interested in the halftime? I'm not a really big Super Bowl halftime. Uh, the last one I really, really cared about was when the Colts uh, played the Bears and it was Prince on the on the, uh, on the, on the uh, that guitar-shaped stage. Oddly enough, I think that one was in Miami as well. Uh, but... Um, yeah, no, I'm not a big Super Bowl halftime guy. It's a chance to take a break, you know, step away, do do a few things. So I, I, I'm not a big Super Bowl halftime guy. What is your opinion on Super Bowl commercials? Uh, I mean, I love them, but you know, I, I've seen them all because I go on YouTube and usually watch them before. So I, you know, I'm not. It's not something I watch live normally because they release them, so I check them out ahead of time. I try not to watch them, but. I don't understand what is the point of spending uh, however millions of dollars to get a Super Bowl ad and then, hey, we're just going to put them on YouTube like the week before the game so you have already seen them. Like, what, what? Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Like, why, why would I be spending $6 million to air it during the Super Bowl if it's already out there? I, I don't I don't get it. Like the one ad that I've already seen is because because it pops up because it's been popping up on almost every YouTube video I click on was apparently they got Rick and Morty to do a Pringles commercial. That's funny. Uh, the that is the one Super Bowl ad that I've seen mostly because it just showed up as an unskippable YouTube ad. So thank you. And also, there was because it was trending on Twitter. Apparently, uh, Planters killed off Mr. Peanut. Yeah, that'll be interesting. That that's going to be one. I, I I'll I'm interested to see how it works out. So does that? I mean, I don't. How, 
do do you eat planters? Like, how are you a mixed nuts guy? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't eat a ton. I don't eat a ton of like peanuts and stuff, but I mean, I'll eat them if they're there. Like, I don't understand how how are you gonna kill off? Uh, how are you gonna kill off Mister Peanut? Like, he's he's on the packaging. Are they gonna get a new mascot? New branding, man. Time to change it up. It's it's planters. You're a nut company. He's a he's he's a he's a giant peanut. I don't I don't understand how this is gonna work. Well, I guess we'll find out. I guess we will find out. Super Bowl commercials, which is like the one thing you can get my mom interested in. My mom isn't gonna pay a lot of attention to the game, but she is going to watch the commercials. That is about the one thing that you can get my mom interested in Super Bowl wise. That's funny. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people are like that. You know, Super Bowl is a big event, and love seeing the love seeing the commercials that come with it. They they do enjoy they do enjoy the commercials. In fact, some people are more interested in the commercials than the game. My mom is one of them. Is your mom one of them? Uh, no, she gets into the she gets into the game too. But I mean, obviously, likes commercials. So Super Bowl Fifty Four Sunday in. Miami, I am predicting Kansas City wins this game 38-20 to because Mahomes and company get off to an early first quarter lead and San Francisco can't fight back. You've got San Francisco in a close, tight game with Jimmy Garoppolo walking away as MVP. We will see what happens come Monday. Uh, a couple final around-the-league notes that I want to get your opinion on. Uh, the Carolina Panthers have mutually agreed to part ways with tight end Greg Olson. Greg Olson says he still wants to play. Do you think he's on a different roster uh, in 2020? Uh, I'm curious to watch this because I know he still wants to play. I don't know what kind of opportunities there might be available with other teams and how you know him wanting to go to another team. I think he's going to have uh, an offer to, to get into a broadcast booth. So I think that'll be... Interesting to watch with him. Uh, I do think he'll he'll end up playing because he still has that passion for it. But the uh, broadcasting is going to come calling for him because uh, he's done a lot of that work already, and that is something that I think he wants to pursue. And so, if one of those doors opens, now might be the time to uh, jump in and take that. But I'm interested to see because he still has that fire and passion to play. But it just depends on what kind of opportunities he has versus if there's a broadcasting gig that comes knocking for him. I imagine ESPN will back up the truck and put him on Monday Night Football if, if that is an option for him. I, I think that there is a chance we might see him on Monday Night Football. And finally, uh, the there was a report that came out earlier in the week that the San Francisco... San Francisco... The Los Angeles Chargers are... Moving on from Philip Rivers, Jay Glazer reported that earlier in the week. He has slightly backtracked that by just saying that it is a widely he, that it is a quote widely agreed upon assumption that Rivers will not return to the Chargers in 2020. If you are LA Chargers management, is it the right time to move on from Rivers and and just press the reset button at quarterback? Uh, yes, I think so. I mean, he could stick around for another year, but you know you're get you know you know what you're getting from Philip, and you know it's it's they gotta find they gotta find the next Philip Rivers. You know they've had a great run with him, 
But, you know, the fact that he moved his family to Florida, I mean, that's pretty much a sign that probably done there and it, it's time to move on and, and, and try and find their next guy. And they'll have a they'll have a good chance to do it because if you look at the 2020 NFL draft order, the Los Angeles Chargers have the sixth pick in the draft. The five teams ahead of them are Cincinnati, Washington, Detroit, New York Giants, and Miami, which means that Justin Herbert goes to the Los Angeles Chargers? He could, yeah. Maybe Tua Tagovailoa? I don't think Tua is going to get past Miami, but yeah, no, I, I think they're in a position to get uh, to get a guy and, and see if he can be the next uh, the their next their franchise quarterback. So yeah, I, I think I think they're done with Rivers, and they'll end up drafting somebody, and we'll see if that works out for them. Philip Rivers will turn thirty nine in December. He and Eli Manning were part of that famed 2004 quarterback draft class. And let's say that Rivers decides, you know what, I'm done, I'm going to retire. That means that Ben Roethlisberger will be the last one standing from that 2004 quarterback draft class. Yeah, wow. He's, and he'll be coming off an injury, so we'll see what happens with him because he's, he's, you know, he's getting up there too. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger is... He, he'll turn 38 in March. So he, he's got, you know, he's got some miles on him. He's got some miles on him too. And he also, he's coming off of, I, I was it, was it a Tommy John surgery or was it just similar to, to a Tommy John surgery? Yeah. I mean, he had that elbow procedure. So as a quarterback, you know, an older quarterback, that's, that's something that that's a little bit scary. So we'll see how he performs because Pittsburgh will be looking for their guy before long. Yeah, because we got an extended look at Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges, and I'm not sold on either. If Big Ben also, like, this is probably not going to happen. But it, if Big Ben decides I'm done, I'm retiring too. Uh, I got an extended look at both Rudolph and Hodges, and uh, I, I'm not sold on either one of them. Yeah, no, those guys probably aren't your answer from what they've shown. So Pittsburgh will be, you know, in the market here in the next couple of years, uh, trying to find their next guy as well. A lot of changes are on the horizon. Come 2020, the NFL draft uh, starts on April 23rd. And also, Cody, one last thing before we go. February 8th, the start of the XFL. How excited are you that the XFL is right around the corner? Yeah, I'm really, really excited to see how how it goes and how the model works because we had the uh, Alliance of American Football, the AAF. That didn't pan out. I think the XFL is in a much better position to be successful. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the level of play is, but I think ultimately the quarterbacks are going to drive it. So it affects, if they can get a decent, uh, good quarterback play, I think that's going to go a long way in terms of determining the success of the league. Well, I think that wraps up our Super Bowl 54 preview. Once again, my final score, Kansas City wins 38-20 to with Mahomes with four touchdowns and an MVP. Cody, your final score in MVP. Uh, 30 to 24, San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo, MVP.
Right, we will see how this game plays out. It starts at 5.30 Central Time on Fox. For Cody Clark, I'm Eminem saying so long. And next week, we will have our NBA All-Star Game, trade deadline, and mid-season and mid-season review. We're going to look back at the picks that we made on the eve of the season, see how they hold up, and we'll also talk about the NBA All-Star Game and possible trade deadline stuff. So for Cody Clark, I'm Evan Eichen saying so long, and we'll see you next week.